This is a VOFM special broadcast. The COVID Report Show, Monday to Thursday, from 6 to 7 p.m. Exclusive to VOFM 88.1. Share it. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to another edition of the COVID Report, your one-stop shop for all of the facts, the stats, the figures, and none of the misinformation as it pertains to all things COVID-19. It's pretty standard procedure right now. The team, as you know, as well as my tag team partner in crime, Ms. We are joined by Jamie Mighty. Thank you so much, Jamie, for joining us on the COVID Report. And please share with us what are the key points from the president's speech or the fundamental changes to level three as we know it? Well, we now have uh, advanced level three, level three pro max, level three PS. And um, it's quite amusing that a lot has been done to try to like make this level, the level that is the most open without going down to a lower level, like level two, which is what most people thought this was actually a description of because we've had more easing of uh, restrictions. So fundamentally, there were two critical things that the president announced yesterday. After going through the generic um, advice on COVID and giving us the, t- the statistics that we were all aware of, the president then moved on to then announce that several other industries would be allowed um, to you know, participate in the economic activities, one being the beauty industry, two being restaurants being allowed to sit down, three being movie theaters. So what we saw there was more permission being given to civilians to resume what was their life prior to the lockdown or even the national uh, state of emergency, which is now slightly over 100 days. So that was a critical announcement the president made. Then the second announcement that he made, I think, which resonated with most of South Africa, was around gender-based violence and how it continues to be an endemic threat, uh, an assault, on the lives of women and also just on children as well. And I think that he connected quite well with the national moment when he made references um, to the gender-based violence issue. And the fact that he used his platform as head of state to do that was something that many people thought was powerful. I don't know if everyone had consensus on his um, discussion around the reforms that have been made and whether or not those reforms are enough considering the fact that we've just seen such a um, you know escalation of gender-based violence in the last few weeks since uh, the relaxation of the alcohol rules. Absolutely. And I mean, just to hock back on that very powerful moment in his address last night when he directly addressed the recent um, increase in the scourge of gender-based violence cases, a lot was made about his use of language as far as the way in which he didn't refer to the men of the country as our men or didn't refer to the women of the country as our women. A lot was made about the, his use of, of candor in that moment of his address. And a lot further still was made of the decision to use the platform, as you just rightly said, um, 
Jamie, to address the issue. It would have been awkward if he didn't address it at all. But now that he has made such a public statement on the matter, now that he has uh, seemingly galvanized the, 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 the country and reassured the country that um, the members of his administration do take matters of gender-based violence seriously and are committed to following through with their promises. Does this reinforce or does this, re- does this give and reinforce any faith in uh, President Sol Ramaphosa and his administration and their ability to tackle um, what he termed as one of the two pandemics that is gripping the country here in South Africa? So I'm going to have an honest conversation with you guys about the president and some of the ways that we've observed him um, interact with us. At the beginning of the lockdown, there were already complaints about the abuse of um, people by the police and the army. And initially, all he said is that uh, mistakes have been made. And then he moved on. It's only after the George Floyd moment and the global outcry that he then came, spoke on George Floyd, and then also spoke about Collins Causa, uh, who was only one of several people who were killed either by the police or the army. So if you look at his behavior around uh, George Floyd and Collins Causa, considering the fact that those complaints were already raised, it seems like our president um, runs what I would maybe call an ambulance public relations strategy, where once uh, an emergency call has been made, he then will show up with the ambulance and use all of the correct rhetoric after having observed the conversations on social media and mainstream media, be that TV or radio. So he comes and gives us the correct speech and he has consistently done that. But if you look at the actions prior to those speech moments, sometimes I don't think that we can find uh, 10 out of 10 performance from the presidents, even though we may be able to give him 10 out of 10 in terms of the right speech. And if you consider the fact that We've had summits, we've had the right rhetoric, but I don't think that most people on the ground would agree that enough has been done. This president, I wouldn't say, has done much more than any other ANC president in terms of the reduction of gender-based violence. And if you go further in terms of the reduction of abuse by uh, the police or the army, But in terms of when called to give the speech by the public, I think that he has come and given the right speeches. But there's always like a question mark if you've been observing the office itself as the events unfold. I have to agree with you 100% there, Jamie. Just really on gender-based violence seemed to be the right speech at the right time. And rather than attempt to save the presidency from dis- from disappointment as like a disappointed country if he had kept quiet, because there has been many killings. But I think it is also incorrect to say that these killings are only happening now or there's a heightened or alcohol. This is because of level three ban. They're being documented now. They're being reported now. They're being shared now. But do you think you've mentioned that he must have not been a hundred percent into it and some of the reforms he's made aren't necessarily being seen on the ground but in his fight do you believe that the president is a hundred percent genuine you've said that he's not he, he hasn't necessarily done more than any president but his presidency i think if my if i'm not getting my years confused there's still about three more years of his presidency can we on gbv the pandemic that has existed 40 years in this country many years it's not just now Do you think we can expect more? Is this speech maybe an inclination to a brighter future? Or is just this once, I think, a good speech at the right time? 
I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he is speaking on the issue and the symbolism of that rhetoric is important. And also he has opened up uh, conversations with activists, with people, you know, who are in the space and uh, making the right kind of policy suggestions. I think maybe what I would need to hear more about or more from is from the Minister of Police himself and from the various police commissioners, whether they are you know, at a state level, at a provincial level. We need to, we need to hear uh, more and maybe we need to have a dashboard which is similar to the one that we have for COVID-19 so that we can actually track and see the performance of various police stations, various police departments, and actually be able to put numbers behind some of this rhetoric. Because I think that we are going to have to be very focused on the detail to be able to actually assess whether or not things have improved. But beyond that, I think that maybe calls need to be made. You know, I was listening to the vice chancellors of VIDS presenting um, how the, the candidate vice chancellors and none of them maybe made reference to maybe putting students through um, gender training or some course on gender. And um, uh, I don't know what would be the politically correct label for that particular curriculum, but it's obvious that if you can't even have that at universities and at schools, then you're not going to change some of the cultural elements that come from traditional patriarchal exercises that come from social conditioning. There needs to be a multi-sectorial response to this gender-based violence question. And part of that is going to uh, include reforming curriculums and making sure that everybody goes through the same um, let's call it gender literacy or gender sensitivity training as they go through their learning, because otherwise, how do we change things? So I think it's early and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I think we need to look downstream and start asking for more details and maybe we'll be able to have a more fuller conversation maybe next year. Well, absolutely. And I think while we can all agree that this was certainly the most newsworthy portion of the address from our Commander-in-Chief, President Sir Ramaphosa. The onus is on the people directly underneath him, um, the leaders in the police force. So your uh, Minister Begitailis and everyone on his, um, on his beck and call to substantiate the call made and echoed by the president in his address. And I do think that a lot of detail is going to be needed. A lot of clarification is going to be needed. A lot is going to be asked of the police service to ramp up their efforts to help tackle gender-based violence. But that was not the only bit of newsworthiness of the address from the president, the commander-in-chief. He announced a um, a lot of of provisions and uh, and additions to the restrictions of lockdown level three, specifically pertaining to the return of sit-in meals at restaurants, the opening of cinemas and theaters, which I know greatly excited many members of the autistic fraternity. But as a as a as it comes to the decision to make these changes and the decision to institute what is being called air quote, advanced level three. What do you believe has formed as the massive push behind these changes, if such a massive push exists? And is there there a question of perhaps 
the president caving in to the, the to the maraud of of advice that that he gets he he spoke of uh being in touch with the with the national command council and all of the other um bodies that he has to consult before he makes the decisions that he makes so i i ask i ask you jamie is there potential to consider uh that he may have been shoehorned into announcing this, uh, these changes or, or have these changes always been part of the plan? Well, I'll tell you, personally, I'm still on level 5J. That's what I'm calling it, um, advanced level 5. And the reason is because I think that a lot of the announcements that have been made have made our society more dangerous, not less dangerous. And when you look at the number of COVID new cases that are being reported in certain provinces is actually quite alarming. The Eastern Cape, the Western Cape, and even Gauteng itself. So to answer your question more directly, I do think that the president has capitulated to various pressure groups that are advising him. So it seems as if um, the corporate side of the presidential influencer group has prevailed in terms of the healthcare side. So what we've seen is that when they announced the reopening of a variety of um, business services, the president had already said, I'm under immense pressure and this is what we're doing. And uh, secondarily, when the churches themselves are opened, we saw the president once again saying, I've been pressured. Now we see the reopening of the uh, hair saloons and all of that. And it comes as a result of this concerted pressure that we see sometimes. We see John Steenhazen leading the conversation. And then a few days later, we see the president announcing a particular thing. And um, it's a bit alarming because it makes you wonder what's happening here? Who's really in charge? Who's really controlling things? Um, And I think one of the things we all have to be looking out for is like, do we really have sufficient capacity for the rate of increase that we've seen? Because what the state announced to us is, listen, we're locking down, we're going to do a few drastic lockdowns to build sufficient capacity. And they say that they've done that, they've converted some conference centers into... um, COVID hospitals, and they've got these scooters that they are using in certain provinces. Uh, But the the challenge is when we look at the Western Cape, for example, they were already saying they don't have enough beds anymore. And this is after having put uh, extra beds in Cape Cape Town Convention Center, Center and several other places. So it makes you wonder whether or not we genuinely have capacity, considering the fact that we're hearing more and more about places like schools having more and more infections and teachers catching COVID-19. It makes me personally really concerned that we're diving into something that I think we won't be able necessarily to stop, uh, you know, once it starts accelerating. No, definitely a scary picture that paints with some provinces running out of beds. So now a question is, do these new changes make sense with the pressure that the president has come under of opening these things? How are we required to maintain a social distancing when we're out in public, but then personal care where someone is physically constantly touching you is allowed? Is there a possible contradiction Does it make sense? Should it even be allowed? Should it be considered? Well, personally, I think that um, right now we we might as well just cancel this whole uh, lockdown thing and just tell people wear masks and, uh, you know, sanitize and uh, let's live life because basically we've reopened. I don't even think there's anything that's still closed right now, um, if I think of it at the top of my head. And you are correct when you say that some of this stuff seems illogical. I mean, if I can get a massage, I mean, uh, that, that, what are they going to do? Wash their hands before? I don't understand. 
But um, it seems like right now, every civilian is really going to have to make assessments about how they navigate the public spaces. As I said before, I'm on level 5J, which means I'm trying to stay under the original conditions of level 5 as far as possible. I'm not going to exercise my right to get a haircut or like a shave because I'm, I'm not sure that everything that has been done is actually in line with what I think were original good goals, flattening the curve and reducing the level of virus spread in South Africa. So personally, I don't want to be participating in that. Um, We're not encouraging uh, the domestic help, uh, the maid to come and help us uh, because we're not convinced that um, it's safe for that kind of activity. So that's what I'm doing personally. And I think if you think about it and you pay close attention, maybe as individuals, we may have to make different decisions from what the state has done because there's still real risks. I'm not going to go to a church necessarily myself. I'm going to keep doing what I was doing, watching online sermons and, you know, uh, praying in the, in the privacy of my own home. Because I think that what, what we've observed is such that we may have serious problems in the next few weeks because we've relaxed too much and we don't necessarily have uh, capacity. And whether or not there's a steroid that people can take to reduce the death rate by a certain percentage, that's not going to make much of a difference if we continue to have more and more people catching this virus. No, indeed. And I do think, as you rightly say, is going to come a moment where the citizens of the country are going to have to take the power into their own hands. So there is going to be a lot. I can certainly see a lot of um, situations arising where, where the state may deem that it's safe for us to to reopen all these businesses. They have announced all these changes to announce to advanced level uh, or lockdown level three. But it will um, be a situation where a lot of members of the South African society decide for themselves to stay away, decide for themselves not to go to church, not to go to that salon, not to get that massage, despite being technically able to do so. Now, as far as the domino effect of these changes that have been announced by our commander-in-chief, we've seen in recent uh, times, perhaps not so um, at, at not not to as much of an extent in the last previous occasions, but we've seen it in the wake of uh, the very first uh, lockdown update that we got from the president um, while we were in level five, and he announced uh, the things that would change when we moved to level four, and then the various other uh, bodies of that of that greater group of people with the decision power and i'm thinking about uh people like dr ngosazanaglamini zuma who who came and clarified a lot of um the changes that were made by the president and reversing some of the decisions that were made by the president can can we see a similar situation happening when the clarity that we need eventually comes and things are expounded upon and things are clarified that perhaps uh, the president didn't clarify in his address well, uh, you know, as, as the weeks have gone by, they've, they've cleaned that uh, communication process up a little bit. And they may very well change some of their positions based on the public feedback and the public pushback. Because what we've seen before is they announce something and then they come back and say, wait a minute, we didn't mean it like that. 
based on the engagement with the public. So they seem to be very sensitive to public opinion and public sentiment, which I actually welcome. I think one of the things I'll say about this administration is that they haven't tried to overly force things down people's throat. I think smokers would, uh, would disagree with me, but aside from smokers, it looks like um, at, at different points, everyone has been listened to. And it looks like the smoking issue has now become a political issue aside from lockdown specifically. But I think that um, we, we're not necessarily going to see the same kind of um, announcement retraction, announcement retraction that we've seen thus far. I think it's going to be more moderated and controlled just because they've learned from their mistakes and they've improved their communication process. So we may not necessarily see more of that. Um, but we'll see, obviously, the regulations being gazetted and some kinds of protocols being announced. The challenge is whatever the government announces is not necessarily what happens everywhere. So I don't necessarily think that a saloon that reopens in Soweto or even in Bramfontein is necessarily going to observe everything that the presidency has announced. And that, that's going to be easy to police because what do you do if there are violations? Do they have enough people to come and enforce um, the health protocols when we still have the police inspecting food and that's not necessarily their job. So we don't even have enough health inspectors for food in status quo. Are we going to have enough for every massage parlor, hair saloon, nail bar, a barber shop, and several other places that are reopening every restaurant? I don't necessarily think um, there's capacity for that. And also there was a bit of an inconsistency because restaurants were saying that they will be selling alcohol throughout. And obviously we know that there are restrictions around that. So that also needs to be clarified because it, uh, if taverns can't do it, it's not clear why restaurants should be able to do it. But last night, uh, a lot of the restaurant owners were saying that they will be able to do that. So it looks like there's a bit of a miscommunication that may be clarified later in that respect. So some unclarity around the actual level, advanced level three and what's going to happen to it. So many have asked with this advanced level three, what is left for level two outside the opening of our borders? What can happen in level two that is not currently happening in level three? Well, I would say we're basically on, on level two or even level one. The border restrictions seem to be like the last standing thing and obviously like a full reopening of schools and universities. But basically, we are as open as we could be right now under the conditions of a global pandemic. So that would be my response. It seems like we've gone very far towards reopening. We've just heard from our resident analyst here on the COVID report, Jamie Mighty, helping us unpack the most recent address from President Cyril Ramaphosa as it pertains to the plans to move to advanced lockdown level three. Quarantine and chill. Send us your quarantine stories. Tweet us at VAWFM.